If you or a loved one has a hoarding problem, let's work together on a solution. Thank you for stopping by the Hoarding Solution podcast. I'm really happy today to be talking with Dylan Pruitt, who is the co-owner and CEO at Capital Gains Recycling. He's also a U.S. Air Force veteran, and I'm very happy to have him here today to talk about recycling because recycling comes up a lot for most of us, but it also comes up a lot in hoarding situations and helping people define what they should recycle, what they shouldn't, but also looking at it with electronics is really valuable because I've been in houses where like there's a whole room devoted to electronics and (laughs) you know, you don't want to throw it out, but what do you do with it? No, absolutely. Um, And and thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, that we come across that all the time. We get phone calls daily. We get people stopping by saying, wow, I didn't know I could throw this printer away or this old TV away or, or not throw it away, but, you know, drop it off to you guys to recycle it because it's not, you know, it's a, you know, it's a very infant industry. So a lot of people don't know about recycling electronics. People know, you know, scrap metal recycling has been around for, you know, a hundred years or so, but, but actual electronic recycling is still very new. And as electronics become more prevalent in our lives daily, you know, it's an ever increasing issue of, people hoarding it and keeping it and not knowing what to do with it or just, you know, people feel general, typically most people when you ask them, you know, they don't want to throw it away in the trash. So they'll just keep holding on to it, holding on to it. So that's where our jobs as, you know, recyclers is to help educate people and tell people, Hey, there's an actually, you know, a very viable, a simple process, easy solution to bring that stuff to. And it's great that you're working on that educational piece of it because there are so many people that have this excess stuff, but then you have family members and landlords and loved ones trying to figure out sometimes how to help some of these folks that have all this excess stuff. And a lot of times they're more willing to let it go if they know it's going to be recycled versus filling up the landfill. So what kind of stuff do you take? I mean, obviously computers, older tvs do you do cell phones that type of thing as well yes so the easiest way we explain it to everyone um because we get that question you know again all the time but it's the easiest way we try to explain is anything with quarter battery so that will encompass a lot of things from a dvd player all the way to a refrigerator you know because that has a cord or you know even a tv remote a vcr remote you know anything literally that can utilize a battery or a cord you know that's you know items that we can take and facilitate for you and, you know, do our best to minimize, you know, that, that waste or that potential landfill waste. And that's great to know that because I mean, I can just think of random times when I've had like three old cell phones sitting in a closet, you know, and what do you do with that thing? You, you kind of don't want to throw it out. I know in the farm life, country, rural world, sometimes that's target practice items. <laughs> but, you know, it's great to have another um, alternative to to that. So is there anything, like, is there anything that's, like, too old to recycle? I mean, I remember the first Mac computer in, like, 1986 or before, you know, but is there anything that's too old for you to take? No, no, we get, we've gotten stuff 
shoot, probably a few months ago, we got this old vintage, like World War II era, uh, what's it called? I think it's called like a still projector or something like that. It was a very old vintage one. And it was, it was even a military grade one because it had, you know, the NSN, you know, the national stock number, right. you know, stamped on the box and everything. It was used for, I didn't really say what the, you know, specific usage was for, but, but yeah. So, I mean, anything literally, you know, as, yeah, as, as old as electronics go, you know, we, we get it all. We get vintage stuff like that all the way to brand new stuff, you know, because unfortunately nowadays also, you know, manufacturers don't really create things to last because they know we live in a throwaway society or people are just going to, you know, do whatever with it. And then it's, it's a lot easier just to upgrade. So people you are, know, so we get most new stuff we get, you know, is typically going to be broken or bad. Older, most older stuff we get still works. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very bizarre. It's very interesting how that works because I know a lot of, you know, older generation is like, nothing is like it used to be. And, you know, in some cases they're right. Some of the, I mean, I remember a fridge that I got in 1996 or something like that. And when I sold my house, that fridge was still cooking, still working. And I left it there. I'm like, you know, you're probably going to want a new one. It's pretty old, but it was still working, you know? Um, Do you, so do you get a lot of refrigerators and that type of thing? Oh yeah. Even appliances. Yeah. Yeah, That's why people get confused too with, you know, appliances because typically you can just take that, you know, to like a scrap yard, which you still can. You know, because mm-hmm. we, we kind of recycle it, the you know, a very similar way. But, um, yeah, so it, as long as it literally has a cord or a battery, you know, it, it is considered, you know, an electronic. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, uh, shoot, even like we can, we, you can even drop off like internal components. Let's say maybe like you're a tinker, you know, maybe you, you do IT or something. You have some, you know, bare circuit boards or, you know, stuff like that. You know, we can still take that, too, because that's, you know, that's still part of it. But, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, though, you know, our, our primary mission here, you know, is to minimize waste. So with that being said, we, our first option is to, you know, we try to fix, repair, we try to refurbish what we can, you know, and send it to different resale markets before, you know, breaking something down, dismantling it and getting it shipped out to, you know, a, a plate, the, uh, the smelter where it'll get shredded and melted down, you know, for the precious metals. And a lot of times, like I'm not, I don't consider myself to be overly techie and electronics kind of freak me out like i don't like fire that type of thing and so i think sometimes people will have something that's probably an easy fix like if you get it you might be able to just do a little solder or a little oh this needs a new cord and now that thing has a whole new life you know and that's going to serve someone else yeah so i can totally appreciate the idea that you can take something and say, Oh yeah, we could fix this up and it's great. So if people wanted to check out where to buy that from, where would they go? Um, can you repeat that last question? Like, to... sorry, am I cutting out? So like, is it yeah. best for them to like, go to your website to oh, yeah. look at purchasing? Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, we do like in-person sales as well, you know, because some people like, you know, having an in-person presence, of, I guess, of, you know, talking face-to-face and whatnot. And uh, we're, we're doing our best, too. We're trying to create, you know, kind of like a retail spot as well. That's still definitely in the works because right now our, our current location is more warehouse space. So trying to turn that into, you know, part of it, like a retail type portion is a little difficult. So we're definitely, that's a work in progress. But yeah, the majority of our sales are online, like uh, 
on our eBay typically. Sometimes we utilize Facebook, but yeah, our eBay can be found on our website, which is a capital gains LLC.com. And uh, yeah, I mean, everything we, if we, you know, the fact that, you know, we do get stuff for free and some stuff we do purchase, you know, a lot of stuff we do purchase from businesses and consumers if they have, you know, a, a certain volume to justify us buying it. Um, but with, with that being said, everything that we do sell is way, way reduced, you know, pricing. So to help compensate for that, you know, cause we, you know, we obviously are looking to make more money than, you know, the scrap metal value, but we still, you know, we're trying to help people, you know, find stuff at a very good deal. Right. And it's a great way to find things sometimes. And, but I also think like you're saying about the in-person option, and having that retail space, you're able to come in, you're able to make sure that thing that you're buying works. And I think um, a lot of people are more comfortable with that, you know, and knowing where you're at and that you're established, you know, because um, I, I guess I, I understand the hesitation with buying things online because you're not always sure what you're going to get. <laughs> But if someone knows, hey, not only is there a website, but they're an in-person, like, I think that does increase um, your viability, you know, with people and them seeing how how you operate, how you work. So how did you get into this line of work? Was there something that prompted you um, or? <laughs> dude, I mean, there's definitely a, a weird journey, but uh you know, I've always been real, you know, always been very entrepreneurial. You know, I've done ever since I was a kid, I started out doing toy sales in my front yard. You know, my parents would literally stop buying me toys because I would, <laughs> right after I would get it, I would set up all toy sales and, re and sell it. But, um, but no, what really jumped me into the environmental industry is, uh, you know, I've always been real environmentally conscious, but like after I deployed to Africa at one point and, um, after seeing literally most of our waste, a lot of our waste from our landfills get shipped over there in shipping containers. And, and it's a terrible practice and it's, and over there, they don't really have viable ways of getting rid of their waste and different things. And it was, you know, the, there's just a lot of trash everywhere, trash in the rivers where they, you know, where they get their drinking water. And it's just, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And that was a real eye opener for me on being able to, you know, do that or being able to get into recycling. And, uh, you know, I, I did, you know, I was in the aircraft, uh, aircraft maintenance. So, we dealt with a lot of scrap metal in our maintenance hangar. So I started a recycling program for our hangar. So after that, you know, I really kind of, Oh, wow. You know, there's some decent money in this while, you know, making a positive impact. So there was definitely different aspects of it that kind of really pushed me forward into it. And then I, you know, I just started honestly just scrapping, you know, I started just with my pickup truck getting, I started off with doing scrap metal stuff uh, whenever I was still active duty. And then after I got out, I jumped into it full time and, you know, heavily got into the electronic side because I, I've always, you know, loved electronics and it's, there's definitely more potential with electronics because it's still a very new industry and majority of the electronics still go to landfills, not they don't get recycled, mm -hmm. at least per the, at least per the, the uh, statistics. And it's interesting how your experience in the air force and seeing how that, how our trash is impacting others, how that really made you go oh wow this is an issue you know and i was um i was stationed on guam for a period of time and it was amazing to me to see how just how that small island had so many issues with junked cars and things surrounding their 
homes and things like that and not you know it's a tropical island and there are some beautiful areas but it's a very much a an issue for people you know to dispose of things and you know and I can remember going to to Mexico on a mission trip as a teenager and seeing how there's a garbage dump here and right next to it is like this stucco gorgeous mansion you know so there's always <laughs> this disparity between you know I guess beauty in my mind at that time but um and this is a very big it's very sad that all our stuff gets dumped over in Africa or some of these other countries yeah, and I've heard a big export market too it's terrible and, and I've heard that that's kind of a, a huge issue that all of our, like, we want to send the, our clothes to these people who don't wear our style of clothes. Like, why would they want our stuff? <laughs> it doesn't fit in their environment. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't work for them. And it's, I just think it's very sad that that's our, that's the solution that we ship our stuff to somebody else and dump it. <laughs> and now very, it's in their you know, water. Well, that's where it comes to, you know, the whole, there's a major, major difference between, you know, first world and third world, you know, so like we, we live in the world of convenience instant now, and it's all about, okay, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind kind of, you know, mentality. So it's like, you know, we're all guilty of it, you know, even I, I am to this day, you know, sometimes I'm not in an area where I could recycle a can or recycle a bottle. So I don't have the ability. So it's like, oh, it's just one bottle, you know, it's, you know, it's not a big deal, but how many millions of other people are thinking that? you know, or, you know, and that's where after that happens and you got a massive problem and it comes down to space too. So in the U S we have a crap ton of space compared to other countries. So it comes like, once again, it comes down to that out of sight, out of mind, because the landfills are typically not really close to residential areas. So it's not like you really get to see that effect. If, 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 if people got to see a landfill every day, like, be shown where all their crap is going where it's like it's just sitting there rotting decomposing or soaking into our water supply and all or breaking down into microplastics which is getting into our our you know our air our water our bloodstreams like everything and um people would have a much tougher approach on it i think but unfortunately it's not really pushed hard enough here because we have other things that are that take the forefront and you know it's it's so there's so much stuff that can accumulate and we're in the process of cleaning a hoarded property. And I mean, one load was like 400 bucks to haul that. And it we're talking literal trash that should have been disposed of over the years, not stored and then hauled away. But, um, but it can be very expensive to actually clear some of these situations and, Right. I, I don't think people realize what the cost is for some of these things and and how full like our landfills actually get. I mean, I almost feel like we should have like a trash cam or something, you know, where people could actually see what is happening. Like when... a live trash stream. Yes. <laughs> trash stream or something. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it exists. But I, I think you're right that if people were a little more aware of it. Like I, in a lot of communities, you know, you actually have a trash can and a recycle bin, you know, and so you actually have the ability to split it up and they pick it up for you from your street. Like it's not that complicated, but a lot of times I have found 
especially people that have a large hoard and maybe there's a lot of stuff outside like they want to recycle everything but a lot of times that's not possible because your plastic milk jug is broken down to the point that it's just going to make more work if you put right. it in a recycle situation so i think people understanding recycling is an option but also hey sometimes that you hold, held on to it so long that there is no recyclable value in it at this point and i think if people understood that reducing your stuff now while it's still viable to be recycled is preferable than holding on to it even though in hoarding a lot of times there's a lot of emotional attachment to things even right. if those things don't really have any value so um, that's part of the struggle I see with trying to help someone um, dispose of their things. But I also see, like you're saying, things getting into our water system and things like that. And in some areas now, used to split out, you know, glass and plastic and newspaper and whatever. And now it's more like, hey, it's combined recycling. You know, you don't have to separate all of that stuff out which in some ways is easier but also confusing i think for people to not know. i can explain how it works if you'd like uh so that actually like when it when you have like mixed like single stream and things like that it'll go to what's called a MRF, um and that is a like sorting facility and i forgot the exact ac acronym and it's mrf but um but that's not necessarily my industry, but that's, you know, uh, similar, but, uh, so that they'll do like cardboard, you know, paper, plastic and all that, but, um, it gets on these conveyor belts and they, nowadays it's, they used to have to like hand sort the stuff, you know, right. but now a lot of times they have these, you know, machines and lasers that will scan what's going through and then it'll automatically sort what's what, and it'll go to, you know, where, where it needs to go to be cleaned or bailed or shredded or, you know, whatever the, the type of material is. So it's definitely, you know, we're definitely getting there. I just, I wish there was much more of a push for it. You know, I, it's very unfortunate that, you know, unfortunately Americans and humans in general don't really seem to make a lot of the progress until it's too late. So um, at least with some aspects, because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's becoming a major issue, especially with it's terrifying to me. It's like the microplastics. So like, you know, most plastic has, you know, BPA and other, you know, hormone and cancer causing agents in it that, have already literally been discovered in newborn babies. It's been discovered in people's bloodstreams and our drinking water because it's so small, you know, it gets through the filters and other things. And um, there's already been studies where it has, you know, like lowered like uh, males, like sperm counts and things like that from just discovering the microplastics in the bloodstream. So it's very frightening, you know, uh, on the, on the, on the big scale of things. And, and it ultimately it comes down to, you know, just us being lazy and just taking the easier route than what's right. You know, so at the end of the day, yeah, it's always, you know, it shouldn't be, but it's easier just to throw something away, you know, because again, it goes back to that simple out of sight, out of mind mentality type deal or, or simply I don't, I don't want to deal with it because a lot of times with plastic, when you're recycling it, you know, you have to clean it and you have to, you can't just toss, you know, a, 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 you know, as soon as you finish your peanut butter jar, you can't just toss that because then it's contaminated. Mm -hmm. So I think that also can deter people too, because people just get lazy and just don't want to do it. And it's that extra step that I think you're right. People just kind of hesitate to to do that. But I like I feel like a wince if I throw my water 
you know, bottle into the trash. You know, I'm like, ooh, what, shouldn't there be a recycle bin here? Um, yep. And just because I see how that can build up and I see how that, you know, like you're saying with the peanut butter jar, like it, yeah, it's one more step to rinse that out. Um, right. But I also think that it's not that big of a step and you see other entities if i go get coffee at certain places or whatever like there's this huge there's signs about take only what you need um you right. know this is made out of a recyclable or compost compostable material or whatever so i do see where some places are trying to be conscious of it but there's so many people out there that you know i, I feel like we kind of have a responsibility to look at how can we recycle how can we um uh, be better consumers and better caretakers of our environment you know mm -hmm. by doing some of these things and and not 100%. holding on to everything <laughs> oh yeah no we deal with goodness yeah. i guess why it i really wanted to be on your podcast too because like we deal with so many hoarders as well because we get people like so hesitant or, or reluctant i guess the word can't think of the word to give us their stuff it's like oh <laughs> you know because you know they just want to hold on to it for whatever reason and like you know when we clear out like like look at look at right now it's a major like uh look at all the the massive uh storage unit industry that's booming right now that's a clear-cut case of hoarding because people like you know in my, my personal philosophy at least again everyone's different you're you know you're free to do what you want but uh you know if, if i don't touch something in a few months i really don't need it you know unless it's seasonal like holiday wise or something or you know or or weather seasonal because i live in missouri so like it's the weather is one day 70 one day 20 you know <laughs> so it just it's crazy but like today it's 70s but if you, you know last week it was in the 30s so it's just it's very bizarre but um but no that's my philosophy with and we, we deal with different you know uh storage unit businesses though because people you know will fail to pay for their unit and stuff and a lot of the stuff in there is just when we when we come and get it's like what are they doing you know like why you know like why do they need you know that that just a lot of the random stuff it's it's beyond me but you know uh, it's definitely a major issue it's a huge issue and there are people who pay for their storage units over rent or a mortgage like they will pay that first and be struggling and suffering in every other aspect of their life, but they're paying the storage unit fees. And a lot of times family members will discover this <laughs> as they have an aging loved one, or now there's a, a medical crisis where like they've let the person live on their own and do whatever until there's this crisis. And now, you know, you're stepping in trying to navigate their finances or where you know their medical bills or whatever and then you discover there's this huge money bleed for storage units and a lot of times there's nothing in them worth paying that no amount no it's 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 yeah that's silly stuff like the stuff that we see and even yeah we'll, and we also even do household pickups too you know so some of the places you know we come to it's it's uh you know it's 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 very you know it's unfortunate you know that people get to that point for sure, you know, um, and I hope they do get better and they're able to find a way to, you know, like just not be so materialistic on things. But um, yeah, and that's you know, and we do offer household pickups for that reason to make recycling more accessible because a lot of, you know, other e-scrap companies and places they don't do that, you know, and I, to me, like the whole point of this is to 
you know, the way I, I, you know, I'm hoping to, to make a difference and to impact the industry and impact the world and in the environment, you know, is to make it accessible. Cause back to like my original statement, you know, it should be easier to recycle than to throw something away or just toss it to the, you know, put it in the other room until, you know, I think of it later type deal. And I, I agree. And like, I know it depending on where you're at, but like, I'll have a trash can and a burn, burn thing, you know? And so my stuff doesn't, accumulate it it it's taken out or it's put in a burn bin or if you have a shredder you can shred it like you can do things to manage your output if you will at the time that you're you have it and i think that is a huge issue as far as the household pickups as well because a lot of times it's very expensive to have someone come and do a random pickup on a certain day or mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it is a valuable way to reach people is to offer those type of things. And I think it is important to bring more of this to the forefront and have these discussions because how else are we going to get that out there? How else are we going to say, hey, in this area, there's this resource, there's this person, there's this company that's familiar with these type of situations and they aren't going to judge you. They aren't like they're on a mission to do this thing. And they're a safe company to reach out to based on the needs that you have. And it's a very frustrating position to be in to see what needs to happen on a property or with a a situation, get so much resistance from the people that you're trying to help. But if you know there's someone you can call, it's very, it's much less isolating, I think, as a person who's trying to navigate it. And so I'm very happy that you were willing to come on and talk about it and share your perspective on this, because I think more people need to hear that recycling is an option for their beloved electronic devices. Like Mm -hmm. you can actually make something better for someone else by moving your things along. So I think that's a very important message for people that struggle with hoarding that you are not necessarily serving people by holding on to all of it you are serving people by letting it go right and if i could add to that too um so another major reason especially which i i don't know why but i've noticed in like the older generation at least is they're they're terrified of like their data getting out so that's another major issue Mm -hmm. And, and that's something, you know, us and other, you know, electronic recyclers, you know, we try to reassure people, you know, we offer, you know, secure data destruction and like your data does not get out. So that's another major reason why people hold on to things. I, we, I've heard that so many times over the years is I've I've had this in my closet, you know, cause I didn't, you know, I was just afraid of my data getting out and I didn't know, you know, anyone could do anything with it type deal. Um, so that's, you know, it's a very common, uh, service that you know e-scrap or e-waste you know businesses do to you know to help reassure you know because i get you know and not just on a personal level like your personal data we also deal with you know you know government agencies hospitals financial firms you know that kind of schools even we we have to do that for you know um so people need to know their data is definitely safe and there's no reason you know just to you know keep something hidden away in the closet or something just for not knowing but also, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So that's why, you know, recyclers and, you know, disposal companies, you know, places like that, you know, we need to do better on 
you know, getting the word out there and, you know, trying to show people that there is an option, you know, for their things. And, you know, one thing I've noticed, especially over the past few years, and it really hit hard after the whole Trump trade war, you know, with China mm-hmm. happened, the, like the recycling market took a beating because we cut off a lot of like our downstreams and the downstream is like a term, like in the recycling industry on where something goes essentially. Mm-hmm. So we cut off a lot of our downstreams without really having a contingency plan in place. So a lot of cities and municipalities even used to offer recycling services and different things, but then it got too expensive because now doing it domestically costs way too much money or there's not anywhere to send it to now and things like that. So that was another major environmental issue. And even I'm sure contributed to some hoarding aspects as well, because people did not have anywhere else to go now because of after all of that. So I definitely think that the administration could have done a lot better on coming up with more viable options before just cutting off that, that outlet. (laughs) Well, and that's really true because I did see, I mean, there were, towns and municipalities where trash was not picked up for like a month at a time you know mm-hmm. so now you've got this sitting there and there was a number of reasons why that happened but also people who were perhaps making progress or getting into routine of getting their trash out of their house it really just stunted that whole process for them and i can see where that caused a lot of problems and if you've got just plain old trash sitting around you've got your trash panda raccoons coming around then you've got rodents and you've just got it creates more health issues when Mm -hmm. you don't have that regular service and i just feel like um our infrastructure doesn't necessarily support or understand (laughs) some of the situations sometimes like the decisions they make don't necessarily translate to oh i'm a happy citizen today um you know so i totally get where that's problematic and not only that like you mentioned the scrap metal like the price for that reduced so much that it was almost like not even worth it to be someone (laughs) in that industry you know i mean it's just mind-blowing how a few decisions are just screw it up basically for a lot of people so because then it's like people you know i've dealt with it too it's like which it it eats me up but you know but there's nothing i can do about it because like with the cost right with so let's say you know sometimes i've met a lot of people that quit scrapping just due to the fact that you know prices were so low it's like i'm spending more money in gas than i am what i'm even going to make so i'm just going to throw it away kind of thing you know you know there's that and then also you know i've had people because our costs have increased so like the only items we charge for right now are like tvs and monitors and a select few kind of batteries and that's simply because you know there's you know internal hazards in them so that costs us to you know to properly dispose of so we have to, you know, we, unfortunately, we have to carry that cost onto the customer and uh, we get people, you know, that will literally be almost mad or upset thinking that they're giving us something that's worth a tremendous amount of money and that they have to pay to get rid of it. You know, we get so many people that will just literally leave or turn around and just mm-hmm. say, oh, oh, I'll find a home for it, you know, which ultimately means they're just going to throw it in the dumpster, you know, right. <laughs> which is very sad because <laughs> TVs are so incredibly harmful for people in the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it will truly get better until the government, which, you know, until the government holds, you know, manufacturers accountable. So they're just going to keep making what's cheap and easy and what makes them the most money. Yeah. And 
that accountability piece is a huge part, um, even like in with hoarding situations, because a lot of times a town or a city will pay money to clean up a property and then that person will redo the same behavior again. And so how many times do you do that for someone before they seek the additional help they need or whatever? And so that costs a lot of money. And in the same sense, you know, if manufacturers can get away with it, they seem to, <laughs> you know, right. and that's why our crap is breaking all the time, you know, because it is yeah. cheap and it is something they figure you're going to replace your laptop every what two i don't even know what it is what every two years or something like there's Just about now you know yeah you know. Uh, yep and and one one item that really like it makes me sad because like i i grew up seeing it and even like way well before my i'm only 28 but even like before me you know it even was a lot more popular was like tv repair you know there used to be a lot more places out there that did that now that's a complete almost bare bone dead industry now because again it's cheaper just to go buy a new one, toss the other one out, you know, and instead of go going to get, get it fixed real quick, you know, it costs more. And that's, you know, it's, it's definitely a shame. And manufacturers know that, you know, so they make stuff that will fail so they can go, you know, and they, they, they jack the prices up on individual items. So like sometimes as silly as it sounds, it's more, it's cheaper to buy a new flat screen than it is to buy like a part for it. It makes no sense whatsoever. You know, if you were to buy like a you replace, you know, like the the you know, one of the circuit boards on the TV, a lot of times that will cost more than just to go out and buy a new one, which is an absolute shame. It is a shame. And I actually had a, a great uncle when I was growing up that did TV repair. Like that was his thing. He had a shop where yep. he did that. <laughs> and um, I think it kind of spilled over like into radio repair as well. But I can remember that like we knew like if our tv had an issue that's where we were taking the thing and yep. <laughs> well i could get on a whole we didn't really have a tv that much when i was growing up my dad really wasn't a big fan of it but i mean I'm not gonna say he was wrong completely but you know i just remember that not being not as much of an option as it is today <laughs> right so. no absolutely uh, no, it's definitely a shame, but no, yeah. we as people could be, you know, we could do a lot better, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I just wish, I wish people wouldn't take the easy route, you know, sometimes. And I have a mentor that use, always talks about the hard right or the easy wrong, you know, and sometimes that hard right is, it's hard to do it, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And I just think about all the time I've spent rinsing out my various containers so I can recycle it. <laughs> no, that, that's amazing. Well, and, good, good on you. <laughs> uh, but it's, I also understand that it's not always, people aren't always thinking that way. Um, but anyway, we need to be. So what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they have questions or uh, yeah, need so their help? Sure. Uh, they can always message our Facebook page. Uh, we're at uh, Capital Gains Recycling. Um, our website is capitalgainsllc.com. And then, uh, you know, our, our email and phone numbers on both of those avenues as well. So if they ever have a direct question, they can message us, you know, via that way or, you know, bring something by, schedule a pickup, you know, because again, we handle residential businesses, nonprofits, churches, you, you name it. Uh, government organizations everything corporations we do it all so and and you can drop you know you can come to us as well we don't have to just come to you well i really appreciate you 
sharing all that information and talking about this and being available in those various ways in your area. So I know you're in Missouri. So is there a certain counties that you serve or are you willing to travel a certain amount of mileage for folks or does it just really depend on what they need? It really depends on what they need, you know, and unfortunately, like early on in our business, you know, we made the mistake of driving too far or mm -hmm. like not charging enough for certain things, you know, because, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know. And uh, until we started doing like what's called like time studies. So like we, you know, after we were, you know, study, you know, how much time it takes on labor costs to do different things, you know, labor, fuel, maintenance, all that good stuff, insurance, you know, all that, you know, fun stuff it takes, you know, to run a business, uh, you know, we've had to definitely change things up, but we definitely still travel, you know, like for corporations and other big businesses, you know, we definitely travel out of state still. Um, like here in a few weeks, uh, I believe I have to double check the schedule, but I'm going to be doing a, a uh, pickup in Illinois, picking up a bunch of voting machines, you know, like electronic voting oh. machines, Th those get recycled. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, we handle, you know, we take that, those, especially, you know, very seriously on properly disposing of those um you know getting you know any information you know destroyed mm -hmm. uh but yeah i mean uh we, we're located in what's called jefferson county which is just a little bit south like it's a, it's a county touching like st louis city county mm -hmm. so we're, we're just like you know just a little south of that but we still handle the city we literally go everywhere um you typically like our, our time limit at least for like out of state is you know eight to 12 hours depending on it, again and it all depends on how much it is you know volume is the name of the recycling game <laughs> so you have to <laughs> yeah you have to have a you know you have to have volume to make it worth it mm -hmm. all right well i really appreciate you being here today and i will be uh, making sure we have some links and everything so people can find you and sure. um, get in touch with you for their recycling needs. So awesome. Um, Thank you so much for the opportunity. And thanks for talking about the time studies and the labor costs and all that, because a lot of times veterans, myself included, we start these things and we don't realize how expensive it can be, <laughs> yeah. you know, it so is, it's, a, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, so. Honestly, running a business is a hell of a lot harder than it was in the military. I'll tell you what, I get a lot more stressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's something that that comes up because if you're a solopreneur, if you're trying to navigate this, you know, your mental health can really take a hit sometimes um more so i think than uh if you had a job or if you um were still making it through in the military i mean it, it all those things can contribute but i mean the mental health piece and understanding that it's important as well is a huge part of that journey and not not isolating uh, um you know and connecting with people so um you know, all great points that you raise about all these things. No, no, absolutely. And I, yeah, I'm glad I'm, you know, able to spread more information. So I definitely appreciate the opportunity, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Thank you so much. And I look forward to sharing this out. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you or a loved one has a hoarding problem, let's work together on a solution.